0: Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I talk to my pal Mike Jones, now with USA Today, after having covered this franchise for several years, of course, and also the host of the Football Jones podcast. Always has good guests on, so please check it out. We discussed his interview a little more than a month ago or so with Ron Rivera, more so from what Mike learned about him and how he compares to other coaches here in the recent past. We also discussed the Jay Gruden Storytime Tour. It was a good discussion of coaches we've covered in recent years. Plus, we talk about the free agent quarterback class and what might transpire. You can follow Mike on Twitter at ByMikeJones and listen to him, as I said, on the Football Jones podcast. You can read my work on ESPN.com. I'll have a story up Friday about the Washington defensive front and how the organization needs to plan well for the future to keep as many of them around as possible. There are a lot of factors involved here, and I'll lay them out for you. Before I share my conversation with Mike, I just want to drop a couple things. We still don't know what's going to happen with Washington's quarterback situation. Those of you who are getting antsy, I'd suggest to quit checking social media every 15 minutes expecting constant, constant updates. This stuff takes a while and then can happen at any time. Many, many, many phone calls are made during this period, most of which we will never know took place. So there's a lot of uncertainty for everybody involved here. The teams don't know what's going to happen. I certainly don't know. I did talk to one person in the league who was familiar with both Sam Donald and Marcus Mariota. Wanted to get their opinion on on these guys. Wasn't wowed by Donald. Felt his processing speed was slower than he'd like. And didn't think he'd become a Ryan Tannehill reclamation project. Again, I know others who really liked him coming out of that draft and still do. They felt like Washington, that he'd be a good fit for Washington. But it does highlight how split the opinion is. So if you do trade for him, you really have to like him knowing the money coming due and what the compensation might be. When I watched some of his games, there were plays I said, "Wow, that's just an athletic play." Um, some plays he made against the Rams, I thought were terrific. Other times it felt like he was he was good only if his first read was there. And that but I didn't see a lot of the progressions. I saw him make him some throws that Rich Simeni talked about on a previous podcast where you felt like he didn't see all the defenders and it got him into trouble. So we'll see. He's only 23. This person I talked to worried a bit on both quarterbacks' understanding of situational football and to what degree they could excel in that area. Um, He did like Mariota in an offense that uses his legs, whether it's a Shanahan-style attack with boots and RPOs, and that's something Washington could certainly use. Didn't think Mariota could raise the level of those around him. I think you probably would agree with that. I think most people would. Um, few quarterbacks do. It's why you need to keep building. Anyway, just one opinion. And nobody I've talked to believes you'd have to give up more than a four from Mariota. That might be high given his contract ends after this year. And it can go from being an affordable, certainly affordable starter at $10.6 million to double that amount. Now, what are you getting for that? And if it's only a one year deal, that's a lot. So, you know, it's not going to take a lot to get him. Then the Raiders have to decide what they want to accept if they want to trade him. Um, anyways, you can check out my Instagram account for a deeper explanation of his contract. Again, that's John Kime ESPN. I still think Alex Smith's future is certainly on the is certainly here is on the table still, and I think it's safe to say that he wants to come back. It's kind of odd how nothing has really come out. My gut tells me that he'll be elsewhere. It wouldn't shock me if he wanted to go elsewhere. I don't know that uh, at all to be true, but when you look back on the year and how Ron Revere even said at one point they would have had the same record or had the same production if Kyle Allen had started. Um, and you're Alex Smith, what are you gonna think? And I think there were a couple things that, you know, you think back to how hard he had to fight to even get on the roster and not go on IR. And so you you just wonder about some of that sometimes and does that add up for him? He knows they're looking for someone else. So like I said, it's I'm not even I don't know if he wants to come back come back here or not. I'm just looking at this trying to analyze the situation. And, you, you know, the organization is still wondering, looking at other people. And I wonder if he's not doing the same and wondering if he'd you know, like to be elsewhere. It's not necessarily up to him, but I think um, it, but it wouldn't surprise me. And I don't know that he would ever say anything. And I bet you these guys would never say anything either. I think they have a healthy respect for each side. Um, but it just, again, I don't know if it's true. I just think it adds up a little bit. Um, and he would still be viewed as a backup elsewhere based on what I've heard from a few people in the league. What does all this mean? I don't know yet. I just know Washington Search will continue. And clearly, it seems like they would like to move on. And it wouldn't shock me if Smith did too, but don't know. So, but it's just that's just a little bit of a um, reading. I don't know about tea leaves, but just kind of looking at the situation and wondering, wondering more so than anything else. Um, so, don't take that as not a report. It's just a wondering, etc. cetera. Um, one note teams can start placing the franchise tag on players starting on February 23rd. The one obviously here who would be in line for something like that could or could be in line is Brandon Sheriff. He played on the tag last year. Now, if he gets paid in a deal, it better average at least $15 million per year because that would make him top of the guard money, top of the guard, yeah, top of the guard money. It may be even more than that, because that's just how this game works. However, because he counted $15.03 million on the tag last year, if he doesn't sign and they get and he gets tagged again. He's going to make $18.03 million this year and then hit free agency next year when he'll get a really good deal again, unless he has some catastrophic injury. Even if he had an injury that ended his season but could play the following year, he's still going to get paid. I also never heard him be more effusive in his desire to stay than when he was after the season ended. The question will be, is it on the tag or with a long-term deal? But, as with Kirk Cousins, the cost of the tag will always be a sticking point for those willing to hold their ground, on their value and go on those one-year deals. Another note on Ronald Darby. I was talking to a defensive coach in the NFL and asked him about the corner market and Darby in particular. He liked Darby, considered him a strong number two corner. Um, they think he still has some concerns about the durability, even though he got through this year healthy. But he said the corner market is weak, so he wondered if someone would overpay simply because there aren't many good corners available. I know there hasn't been any movement on a deal with Darby here unless it's happened in the last day or so. Both sides have expressed a desire to continue this relationship, but it's possible Darby could wait just to see his market value or at least get through the combine period where teams start talking to agents and get a feel for it then, and then maybe something happens. That's usually in the early part of the combine is when agents start to gauge the market value of their clients and I think that could determine how when this when if anything gets done and when. I still think his injury pass will impact his contract, and I still think I think that he'll return here. I've talked to a couple agents who or several agents who predict a lot of one year deals this year in free agency because of the lower cap number and that it will go higher next year. Um, I did have one agent who suggested teams should think about two- or three-year deals because you could probably get them at a bargain in the second year, or more of a bargain. It protects the team knowing the cap will go up, and it provides the player some security. Don't know how if that'll happen, but it was one agent's thought. Anyway, that's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Mike Jones. What is the biggest thing he learned about Ron Rivera, and what does it mean for this team's future? Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with USA Today's Mike Jones. All right, Mike. Before we get into the heavy topics, you know, I want to talk about Ron Rivera, quarterbacks, Jay's story time tour, and all that. The most important thing to ask, though, is um, the smoking. Have you settled on a smoker yet? Um, I have
1: not yet. I am looking uh, because, you know, look, new off season. Um, It's cold and I'm doing my research because I've like, I got to get something better because I can't, you know, it's been so cold. I haven't been able to smoke anything, but I've been looking. um, I might go with this master boat, but it's a charcoal, but you can put this load up the, um, the charcoal basket and it'll cook. You set the timer. It's digital. I might go with that because I've just been using my Weber charcoal. um, And also it's single wall. So in this cold, I need something that's double-walled, that'll be better insulated. Yeah. So I have not totally, I'm doing my research right now. Um, It and is. So yeah. I saw you had pictures of you were smoking in the snow. I bet you probably had to go out there. I, I would have had to go out there every 20 minutes Every
0: more. 30 minutes for about, I think it took about eight and a half hours, eight hours or so. Yeah. But it was about, I was going outside about every 30 minutes. Now, if I had worn worn one of those Fitbit watches, I probably got my ten thousand steps just going in and out, in and out, in and out. Anyway, I guess we gotta talk football now. Um, so I wanted to go back to your your you had the interview with Ron Rivera, and this was like at the end of the season. Um, right. But I want to use that because it was it was a really good interview. But it also you're able to gain some insight into him. And you've covered other coaches here when you were a beat writer covering this franchise. I'm curious what your takeaway is from just. The- much more so about what you learned about him and his style compared to some of the other coaches here that you have covered. Um, I I
1: learned, you know, what I gathered from him was just the reason why that team was able to be resilient. You know, it does start at the top. Um, and if you've got kind of a a, a nonchalant kind of guy that's uh, not as dialed in at times as maybe he should be, you know, the team's going to be kind of flaky. Um, if you... <laughs> uh, but you've got a guy here who was really resilient and and determined, and that's why that team fed off of him. Um, I just... I didn't understand his decision four weeks into the season to bench Haskins. I was critical of it. I thought it was silly that he was talking about chasing division. I was like, "There's no way he believes this. He's just trying to get his guys." But he's an eternal optimist, right? Um, and I learned that when he talked about mess- lessons from his dad right. and from his mom, and just the way they continued to teach them to just keep plugging along with things. And I said, "Oh, he actually legitimately did believe this." This is, and then. The stories he told about when he was an assistant with Andy Reid, when Andy Reid was like, look, like your grades are way higher than everybody else. And he was like, well, I think theirs are too low instead of, you know, as a young guy kind of questioning himself and be like, oh, coach, maybe you're right. He was just very confident that, well, no, like. I'm looking at this as the best these guys could be, and this is how I assess it. And so he looked at his roster here in Washington and was like, okay, if everything goes right, like I believe this and this could happen, this would align, um, this is how we could finish. And so um, it made all the sense in the world that they were able to pull off um, what they were because of who their tone setter was.
0: And, you know, it's funny because like there are a lot of parts of the interview. I think that's the part where I enjoyed the most was – how you went down that road with the optimism part, because I think it explains why he can take on some of these challenges and feel like he can succeed. Now, I think there's sometimes a flip side to that optimism that do you, do you maybe sometimes see things differently than it needs to be? Right. Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, is, is, or is there a flip side you think?
1: I mean, I do think there is. I mean, I think that you can be guilty of over-evaluating or overestimating some things um, and thinking, you know, that a team is better than it is. I mean, I know there are plenty of times. I mean, how many times do we hear Bruce Allen say we're close um, when they weren't really close? Um, so, yeah, there is a danger of falling too much in love with what you've got going um, or, or thinking, oh, we don't need to really make a lot of changes. Let's just stick with this here. Um, we'll be OK. Uh, but um, I do think that we saw from Ron that, okay, if you're doing A, B, and C, I'm going right. to continue to be optimistic. If you're going to you know, mess around, because that's that was the really damning thing I thought for Dwayne Haskins. I'm like, this guy believes in everybody. Um, he's always finding a silver lining with right. anything that he possibly can. And if he's done with you, dude, like right. it, it's – that, you know, that that was bad. Now, I'm not saying Dwayne Haskins won't ever be anything in the NFL, but for here, here. it was that chapter was closed. So um, I think that Ron does have the balance that he needs to, um, because otherwise he would have continued to look at Haskins and be like, well, you know, he didn't throw any interceptions there. Um, so there's the good. But he does have standards.
0: Right. And I think that's that's a big key. And I think standards is a big I think that was a big word out there this year. I think consistent messaging was another thing you heard um, from players and from others in the organization, which is something I think that had been lacking for for a while. So, I, you know, I, I agree with you. I think he's got that balance compared to like, how does it compare to, you know, you cover what you were here for Shanahan. Were you here for Zorn at all?
1: No, I was not. So it was Shanahan. I started when (laughs) Shanahan started.
0: Okay, yeah. Yeah, you missed a doozy. Um, But so how do you feel like just – and I know you're not out – you weren't out here every day, but you did deal with him. How do you feel like, you know, his messaging and dealing with – not just so much dealing with him, but what you heard from him compared to a Shanahan and a Gruden. Well, as far as a Shanahan goes, I think
1: that there was so much bull crap going on – (laughs) <laughs> Upstairs, you know, head banging between Dan and Bruce and Shanahan, you know that that clouded a lot of stuff. I know guys really liked playing for Mike. Um, right. You know, now he was very much in a lot of ways my way or the highway, um, but guys felt like he was fair. Uh, I, I just there was just again, if they didn't have the whole tug of war over the quarterbacks, whether it was McNabb um, and, and between, you know, that being forced on him and him relenting on that, or the Robert Griffin drama and stuff, who knows how much longer he could have been here. Maybe he would have been able to build something here. Um, But I feel like as far as in the locker room, you know, Mike was respected. Ron has a different style than that. I think that as a former player, um, guys feel like they can identify with him a little more. I did feel like sometimes players almost had a, like, hey, like, um, almost like Shanahan was the dad. Like, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to get in trouble, um, you know. But Ron, I felt like guys, like, felt like they could connect with him because he had been there um, in their shoes. Now, Mike had Creed, you know, street cred from being a two-time Super Bowl winning head coach. But, I mean, I remember just times that guys were, like, afraid to say stuff, like, oh, Coach Shanahan might get mad. I mean, that uh-huh. that was a response, you know? Yeah. I mean, so
0: – That was, that happened more than a few times you heard yeah, that. Yeah,
1: you know, hey, how's your ankle? Ooh. Uh, coach doesn't <laughs> like to talk about injuries, you know? Mm-hmm. Wasn't that Ryan Terrain? Um, you know, Coach yeah, do not yeah. like to talk yeah. about How- injuries. Coach don't like to talk about injuries, yeah. and he wasn't the only one. But that was like his answer to three straight questions. Yeah. Um. Instead of just you know, I'm feeling okay. You know, I, I'm. But guys were scared in a way. Um. Yeah. I didn't get the sense that guys were scared. I felt like guys wanted to play for Ron and didn't want to let him down. Um. Not like they were afraid of getting punished.
0: And and then that's true. And you know, I guess especially compared to Jay coming off that. And I know like. That whole situation became chaotic because of right. all the stuff going on in the organization. Yeah. And also I felt like with Jay, I mean, he
1: was a laid back kind of guy, but sometimes I felt like he was too laid back. And then when he would try to get tough guys, it, it wasn't consistent, you know? Right. Um, it, but I think that Ron was consistent, It is consistent um, and guys know what they're getting from him. Um, you know, and he wants everyone to work hard. He expects this. uh, And there's no questioning how much time and commitment he's putting into the job, uh, which was sometimes uh, the question with Jay. Um, And if your players are wondering how much the head coach is putting in, you're not going to get a whole, you know, a lot of effort coming from them. I didn't hear anybody questioning Ron on his effort and his expectations um, and the preparedness like we did with Jay from veteran guys on, you know, the team wasn't being pushed as hard as it could be like that. So that was, that was the the lack of
0: urgency stood out to more than a few.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And
0: and I, and I, and I would, I agree with that too. And I think, you know, when you see a guy go through what Rivera went through this season, I think it does translate into guys saying, Oh, this guy's going through this. But I think they would have seen – I don't think that that changed Rivera's approach. I think – I mean, and whether or not he becomes a great – you know, we're not saying he's the greatest coach. We yeah. just look at the differences here and what has made him a coach in the NFL who has had some success. And he's had some years where they haven't had success but there is a reason why somebody's in that spot. And one of the differences I think is that consistency and and players saw too. They, I mean, you'd hear it from guys like McClure and all that. And the other thing is you draft guys like that, like McClure and Chase Young and they become culture changers as well for you. And they heed your message. And then they spread that the gospel of whatever throughout the locker room. And that's, that's a big deal too. Yeah. And I don't know that we could ever really
1: say what Jay's gospel was, (laughs) I don't think Um, you know, um, you knew what Mike's was. I don't know if we ever really knew what Jay's was and you know what Ron's is. So not having the questions there uh, just makes it different. But I mean, again, there are guys who love Jay. I mean, Jay is a very talented offensive coordinator, smart guy, Um, you know, smart football mind. Um, Not everybody's meant to be a head coach. And, And I'm not saying that Jay will never be a good head coach, but at the time, you know, this just wasn't the the best um, you know outcome and results for him.
0: And I think sometimes guys have to be in the right situation for right. that. It's like when Steve Spurrier is here, he had no chance here. Yeah, he may have had a better chance somewhere else where they didn't, where they were able to say you can't do this or you have to do this more, um, and 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 then and and adhere to that. Right. Um so but you know Jay, Jay has been on a little story time tour lately and it's it's kind of entertaining but you know I think there's also the question of like okay what if some of those players went on those story time tours as well you know
1: Oh for sure I mean guys would definitely have stories to tell um because we've heard them <laughs> um you know we've heard them we've seen them um and uh it's interesting that you know time always kind of you know, makes things a little bit different or, you know, people mit- remember things a little differently or, you know, kind of history changes a little bit.
0: Yeah, and it's – right, and it's not – that's certainly not a knock on him. I, I, I think Jay can be – I think Jay Gruden can be an entertaining guy. I mean, yep. you know, I think if he went on to – I know he's in talks with, like, to to possibly do some games this year or at least work with the network, I think he would be entertaining. Um, because as we've seen, he's not afraid to say some things, and he will share some insight. And I think he is a smart guy, and I think he—I mean, I think he could do well. How well he do, I don't know, but I think he'd be entertaining in a booth.
1: Yeah. Oh no, he definitely would be because I mean, he's a great guy to shoot the breeze with. Yeah. Um, you know, um, and there are times, um, whether at the combine or um, you know some of those events where you know it's off season, you know, good talk. And there are times in the hallway. Um, when you're sitting down talking for a story you know he was you know very good um yeah he was cool. you know? um so great as far as that goes um you know insightful yeah. again not a dumb guy a smart no, guy not a dumb but uh again he probably needed a team that had a lot of strong veterans um yes. maybe an enforcer of a defensive coordinator or, or top assistant um you know some extra elements that he just didn't have here.
0: I think you're, I think the enforcer is a good one too. And I think that's where the D coordinator would have come in. And I, and I actually, I do think like, even with, with, with Rivera, I don't know that he's like, he's not a big gruff guy where it's like, no. Oh my God, I think Del Rio is more that guy for them. And I think Rivera is a guy that players know they can go talk to and deal with. Um, and I don't want to say they don't have fear of him. No, but I think it's more like, you know, and I don't think he's necessarily like, you know, you know the good ship lollipop here, you know, but I do think like, like having like Del Rio is going to be a guy who's a little bit more stern with, I think. Right. And, and with, you know, with, with, um, with Jay, he really didn't have that, you know, yeah, I, mean, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think he did need that.
1: Yeah. I mean, it wasn't going to be Hazlitt. It definitely wasn't Joe Barry, um, you know, and it wasn't, you know, Minusky,
0: right? Uh, yeah. you know,
1: he just didn't have that guy. He probably just and look, even like Spurrier had Marvin Lewis. Um, Marvin ran you know, that.
0: That which, Marvin ran that ship here.
1: Yeah, you know. Um, and but but Jay didn't have that. Um, right. But, but you're right. In former players in Carolina, when at, right after Ron had been hired, I talked to them, and a lot of them described him as more like a CEO kind of guy. Yes, um, much. you know. Very good at delegating to his coaches, but also um, a father figure type guy. And Thomas Davis yeah. talked about you know him being a father figure kind of guy, and that's why he wanted to finish out his career playing for him. Um, so he kind of strikes the balance. Um, and like you said, Del Rio is that you know that fiery guy. Yeah. Um, you know, so it, it yeah. works that way.
0: Yeah, and, and but it is, and it's funny because Marvin ran the show when Spurrier was here. To the you know, he would come up with the practice schedule. He would. You know, he would do he would schedule out those days or help him with that. And that was good training for Marvin to become a head coach, because that's essentially what he was. And and Spurrier wanted to see what his offense could do. And I think Jay liked off Jay obviously likes offense. But but I do like you're right with Rivera. And I think that's one reason why this team didn't fold when he was going through those treatments, because you look at how much time he missed here. And right. you know, and I, I wrote a big story and it, you, he talked about this with you on your podcast that, and I would tell people, go back and listen to that. Cause it is very revealing on, on Rivera's um, philosophies too, I believe. But the whole cancer thing, like if you don't have guys you can trust around you who can run those, their sides of the ball, et cetera, you didn't, this team didn't have a chance cause he was missing too much time. Yeah. And he would have had to taken some time away, but, the, because there was a setup the way it was, and when he was in Carolina, where he felt it was best, when he had those coordinators that he knew we could trust, whether it was Wilkes or McDermott, those guys, like that's when he could just. When he didn't have them, he had to get more involved. It was tough for him, so he needs those guys because he wants to, the way his style is, to be involved in other, you know, and just take care of a lot of other things. But also, you know, the the relationships with players is important to him, and so that's what his I think his strength is with this,
1: right. And that's also why we saw um, a number of players have said that when he was done with the cancer treatments, that's when we saw um, him able to lock in more and the results also began to speak for themselves. Um, uh, and in an improved way uh, because he was able to be involved in a lot of different areas um and be that tone setter and demand a lot from them.
0: Yep. And I remember talking to Chase Rui near the end of the year about that. He's like, when you started hearing him in the involved, like they're out in there in, in the blocking sled drills and all that. And you were started to hear his voice. He said like, you know, he may have been yelling at them. They were smiling because he was there doing it again. And he had right. that energy again. So anyway, I want to shift to quarterbacks for a few minutes. Um, And go like, you look at this quarterback carousel, all these names being bandied about. What do you think is, who realistically do you think will get moved in all of this?
1: Um, Carson Wentz will get moved. Um, You know, and we've been talking, it's been out for for weeks, so it's about to happen. It's going to happen really soon. Um, we don't know exactly when it's going to happen, and we don't know when exactly where. We know it seems to make the most sense that it's Indianapolis because of Frank Wright or that it's Chicago because of John De La Filippo, um, but we don't know for sure. But he's going to be moved. Um, we know that there. Um, another guy, uh, Sam Darnold, could wind up getting moved. Um, whether or not the, the Jets are able to get Deshaun Watson or whether or not they just use that pick, um, on a Zach Wilson or something like that. But I think that we will see uh, Darnold moved somewhere. Um, I'm not so sure that Deshaun Watson gets moved. I, I, every day I'm checking with people and I'll, there's a number of people who feel like, you know, he really just doesn't have the leverage that you might think that he, he would have. Yeah. He just signed that contract. They don't have to, you know, they can be like, yo, do you want to get paid? Then show up. Um you know the reason why Nick Serio came here is because he was wanted to build a team around Sean Watson. Um, so don't be so sure that that he's going to get moved there. Um, so we'll see. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. There's still a lot of time that 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 and that franchise is a train wreck, but doesn't mean he's going to get moved.
0: What do you think Mar- Marcus Mariota's market would be because he's got that crazy contract with all those escalator clauses? Um, and I'm, you know, people want to go to my Instagram page. I put all, I broke it all down there. It's John Com ESPN. But if you want to go there, it's all broken down there. Just how it is and how it goes up. He could end up making 18, 20 million by being an average starter. Right. What do you think his market is? Well, I mean, I think that if you're one of these teams
1: that wanted, um, a wince or, you know, couldn't get Darnold in a trade or whatever, then maybe you look at Mariota because he is a guy that's got talent and he does have experience. Um, Washington that, that might be a spot where maybe he's a good bridge guy for you. Um, you can compete right now while you draft a guy in the second or third round, or, you know, that can sit for a little bit, who isn't ready to be a difference maker right now. Um, you know, so I wouldn't be surprised if Mariota goes somewhere. Although you know, you never know. You hear some stuff that maybe Carr would be, but then you hear that no Carr isn't going anywhere. Um, you know, we do know that uh, that Mike Mayock really likes Mariota, but for the right price, and they love draft picks too. So for the right price, uh, maybe they could. Um, you know, Teddy Bridgewater is another interesting one uh, because it seems like. The, the Panthers would like to move him there. Does he wind up, uh, you know, being another guy that is a squad that needs a veteran guy to hold a spot while they develop another guy? Um, you know, so I think those two would be really intriguing uh, to, to find out what happens with them.
0: What about Jameis? Because, uh, you know, I, my understanding is that he liked his setup in New Orleans. Right. And My guess is he would probably like to stay there if he could. What do you think happens with him?
1: Um, I think more likely he stays there. Sean Payton said it um, at the end of the year that they like what they had in him, but that he also didn't have an off-season program, um, didn't have a regular preseason, but that throughout the regular season he was able to learn that system more. Um, So I I think that that's a good possibility that he could wind up staying there. Um, It's a guy that, look, he's got a big arm. He can throw for a lot of yards. He can throw a lot of touchdowns. Threw a whole lot of interceptions too, but he went to New Orleans because he wanted to learn. He called that, you know, the, uh, the learning spot. What do you call it? Like Harvard of quarterback school or whatever. Um, so just because he threw a ton of interceptions um, there in Tampa doesn't mean that he can't have learned something from watching, um, you know. So
0: it also, he also was playing, and I don't want to make excuses for him because you make a bad throw and you make a bad throw. And I didn't watch all those picks but I know the reputation of that offense with Bruce Arians is a lot of picks and right. Tom Brady was throwing a lot of picks or more picks than he normally had early in the year. And it wasn't until he more or less gained control of the offense with he and Byron that right. it started to change for them. So I don't want to dismiss the theory that maybe that system wasn't good for Jameis Winston. And maybe right. you need to be in a situation where you are like you have the, more of the ability to check down a little bit to, to, you know, and not have to force things if, if, if that's what he was doing. So, you know, but it, you know, so, but I, again, I don't think he's going to be available for this team because I do, yeah. my sense has been that new Orleans would want to keep him.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know. even if he's just an insurance policy, why they see, you know, what they have with Taysom some hell, some more right. or draft, but again, yeah, he's, you gotta be, yes. Bruce Arians philosophy is no risk it, no biscuit, but sometimes Jameis Winston took that a little too literally, <laughs> um, you know? So, but again, having to be sit back and learn probably helped him some. Um, I don't think the book is closed on him. But yeah, I mean, I, you
0: know, a guy who throws that many touchdowns, you're going to take. He's going to get more chances, and to see yeah. if it was it was it just this, or was it that, or was it you? And so we'll go from there. With Darnold, the last one on him is that it is interesting with him because I've talked to people who really like him, who liked him coming out, and they would tell me like, "Oh, that's the guy you got to go get mm-hmm. if you're Washington," and right. then. Oh, then I talked to Rich Smini, our guy from the Jet who covers the Jets, and he was a little bit down on him, or I just felt like he was kind of he could be maybe an average guy because, and I was talking to somebody yesterday too about this, just like their thoughts on him, they weren't as sold on him, maybe going somewhere to become anything more than what he is because, um, you know, there's it's maybe the processing speed isn't there. You know, maybe he gets locked on that first target if you take that away. Then he's in a little bit more trouble. I don't know, man. I just still look
1: at who he had as his coach. I mean, Jay That's Cutler. Big, right. Jay Cutler told someone very close to him that that Adam Gase was the worst coach that he had ever had. Um, <laughs> you know, um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't totally kill Sam Darnold. Um, I would like to see him somewhere. I think that he was talented enough. Um, people who were familiar with him had worked with him in the off season, Um, were high enough on him that I think that he had ability. Um, And I think in the right situation, he can grow and continue to learn. If he's got a good quarterback coach, he's got a good supporting cast. I mean, again, you got to consider who he was working with.
0: I think I would – like, I believe I would take a shot at him. The part part that would give me pause is that contract, where he's at in his contract. That's the hard part. And then it's like, what's the compensation to get that – that would be another hard part, but he is only 23. Right. So and I know that there are, like I said, there are people, and it was talking to I was talking to Coach yesterday who who you know who was not as high on him as maybe he was on some others. Um, and I do think you take into account what you say, it's more or less like, what would you be willing to give up to get him? Right. Knowing what he's gonna cost, he's got and he's gonna come into the option year next year. And so that's the hard part for me, is like, what would you be yeah. willing to give up? But the the good thing is, is okay.
1: Um you do have that year to make the decision on, you know, and look, if you can get this guy, which was, you know, a top five pick. And I mean, how does he compare to the guys coming out of the draft where you're going to be able to draft? You're not going to be able to get somebody. Now, some people say that Zach Wilson is rated higher now than what Sam Darnold was coming out. Um, You know, I, I don't know if that's true. I've heard that, but I haven't heard a whole lot of people say that, but Okay, say you've got the, what, 15th pick or whatever. Are you going to get a quarterback that's rated as highly as Sam Darnold is? So then maybe it's worth it because, you know, yes, you got to make the decision, but you can still, that fifth-year option, how's it compare if you're going to have to wind up signing some other veteran quarterback on the free agent market? Um, or, or, you know, uh, I just think that, again, he's too talented to not take a flyer on him. Um, still draft somebody in the second or third round um, as a good insurance policy and developmental guy, uh, but he—I think he makes a lot of sense.
0: I think that, like I said, it always depends on what's the cost to get him. And I will be honest, like if if you get if a team gives up a first-round pick for him, they already liked him. They right. already saw what they want to see, and they are they're going to they're going to say it. a lot of it was Gase. I right. love this guy coming out. I can do this with him in this offense, and so you'll probably extend them in that situation. That's why I think like it would be hard while someone might say I wouldn't give up a third for him. Well, that's fine, then you probably wouldn't get him because why would the Jets trade him for that? Um but it also tells me you're not sold on him and if you're not sold, you probably don't do that deal. Yeah, no. So,
1: uh, you're not throwing away a one first round.
0: No, no. And that's why I think like, you know, so if you but if you like him, then, you know, you're going to take a shot and you know, you, I don't know. I, I think it's it's he's a tricky one because there are some things that you'd see that's like, okay, that's good. Then some things see like that's not good. Is that coaching? Is that on him? Um is it on the talent around him? A mixture of all of that? And he's only twenty three. So you know, but and the other thing is like, you know, so I, I don't know. we'll 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 see. but I think he'll be an interesting one to watch because of his status. and like Mariota will be, you know, but I don't think you're going to have to give up nearly as much to get him as you would to get Donald.
1: No. And you never know.
0: Mariota could
1: wind up doing a pulling a Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, yeah. just so it could wind up being a bargain there. But again, you got to have the right setup, a strong run game, a good defense, you know, good offensive line. You know, there's a, a lot of reasons why Ryan Tannehill, it's worked out there because there's a lot of good around him.
0: Last thing, Mike, um, experienced front office. And, and, you know, they they, they hired Polian, Chris Polian. They've got Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney. What benefit is that, do you think, to this, to this team?
1: Well, it, it sounds like a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, but – and I'm not sold on any one of those guys as a GM by themselves. But I think that collectively their experience and their knowledge – Uh, could be a good thing. I think it's great because Ron Rivera does not have to be as involved in personnel stuff because he's got one guy he's worked with before that he trusts. Another guy that he had some interest in um, at his previous stop, didn't wind up hiring. Um, And then you've got Polian as well. Um, You've just got a very veteran group there. If those guys can all work with respect for each other and, and, Share the input and things like that, it could wind up being a good thing. You just don't know, okay? Will it be a lot of headbutting? But all of those guys signed on for a reason. Um, if Martin Mayhew was um, worried about Marty Herney, you know, if polian was worried about coming in with uh, Mayhew and Herney, uh, I don't think he would have been here. Um, but, you know, and I don't think that Mayhew would have left the 49ers, which is a good situation. Um, to to come here if he didn't feel like he could have success here.
0: Yeah, and I think the the last thing, my last word on that, too, would be who – it's almost like an NBA team where you have a bunch of good players around you. Who's taking that final shot? Right. You know, Rivera has the power to say, we're taking this guy, we're not taking this guy. But, you know, he also likes to go by a lot of opinions, too. Right. So is there someone who's going to say, we can't take this guy or we need to take this guy? That'll be the interesting thing to watch here, too. But we don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Hey, Mike, thank you so much. I kept you longer than I wanted, no but it was problem. a great chat. And I, I do encourage people to listen to the Football Jones podcast. Go back, especially listen to the Ron Rivera one and then listen to it because you always have good guests on there.
1: I appreciate you having me, man. Always good catching up with you.
0: That's it for this episode. Thanks to Mike for joining me, and thank you, as always, for listening. I'll be back with another episode Monday. I'm interviewing a guest Monday morning, so it'll likely be out late Monday morning or so. Talk to you next time.